Today we've got the, the last chapters of the last book of the Bible, and St. John paints for us this beautiful word picture of what it's going to be like. It, all's well that ends well, and if this is how it's going to end, it's going to end really sweet, for he, he, he shows us what it's going to look like. Oh, at that time, I saw a new heaven and a new earth, a brand new world order. And the old order, the old earth had passed away and the sea was no longer. And it was magnificent. Picture the, the beautiful bride spending her precious time getting herself to be beautiful and adorning herself as she begins to come down the aisle to present herself to her beloved. We are the bride of Christ, and we too will be presented like that. That's the picture we hold in our minds, and yet we look at the world in which we live, and we cry out with the psalmist, how long, Lord, how long? Every generation was convinced that they are the generation when the millennial will happen, when, when the second coming will take place, when Jesus will arrive. St. Paul early in his writings was convinced that it would be any day now. By the end of his life, he was thinking, well, if he delays a little bit. But here we are 2,000 years down the road, and we're still waiting, and we see that picture, and that picture doesn't match. It's not, not matching the world in which we live, and so there is a, a great danger in thinking that it's all an illusion that it really isn't coming, especially when we see the immediate world that we are living in right now. And we can list all day long from the, from the, the pandemic to the, to the war to, to, to what's happening right now. Maraudering gangs running through the streets of Chicago, breaking windows, smashing cars, stealing without anybody even seeing. Baby formula not able to be given right now. And last night, the madness of racial hatred resulting in insane murders. And, and if we look at that, and my goodness, it's so easy to, to look at it because we cannot not look at it. It really is the train wreck before us. It's very easy to get discouraged and, and really shout out, how long, O oh Lord, maybe it really is not coming. Maybe it's really not going to be there. And yet we are, we are told to look at the bigger picture, to, to see something beyond what is going on immediately. And, of course, the, the, the gift that we are going to need to use is one of the great virtues that we have been taught since our childhood, and it's the one I wish to preach on today. We can actually lose the other ones, but this one we cannot lose, because if we lose it, then we're really lost. And of course, the virtue of which I speak is, is the virtue of hope, of hope. Dante, when he wrote his Inferno, in the gates of hell, there was a sign that says, All who enter here abandon all hope. And if we lose that, that one last gift, that is a God-given gift, well, then we're in hell. 
then we find ourselves literally in hell if there is nothing beyond what we are seeing right now. now we know that faith can die. All of us at one time or another have gone beyond doubting, saying that we're not quite sure if we believe at all. We also know that love can die. But the one thing we cannot allow to die, and I don't think God will, I don't think God wants it to be allowed to die, is hope. It's, it's daring to believe that there really is a pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. Is daring to believe that there is this kingdom that Jesus spent his whole life not only proclaiming but dying for. And so today we we take a a deeper look at hope. You know, Jesse Jackson, right before he lost his bid for the presidential election or the presidential uh, nomination, gave an incredible speech that was called "Keep Hope Alive." Keep hope alive, he would say. We cannot, we cannot afford, not, no matter what we are seeing or how bad it gets, we cannot afford to lose it. We, we, can't, well, we can't give up. Uh, today, I, I want to speak a little bit about the theology of hope. Uh, when I was a young seminarian, Bergen uh, Moltmann, who was a, a tremendous theologian, spoke to us when we were students at St. Meinrad, and he had just written a book called The, the Theology of Hope. And in it he said, because I remember scribbling down my notes and then looking at them over and over again, in it he said eschatology, and of course that's what we're looking at today, the end times, the way it's supposed to, the picture of the way it's supposed to be. It's the picture in the mind of God. And here's the thing, if you can see it, if you can visualize it, we can then help make it come to pass. And it may be way out there in the long distance, but if we can see that point, at least we've got something to go towards. Of course, that point is that eschatological vision that was, that was painted for us today. We're told that when a, a marathon runner runs, and we are not in a sprint, we are in a real marathon, that, that to get to that Point 26 miles away, you have to focus your vision on the furthest point away you can see and run toward it. Otherwise, you're going to grow weary. Otherwise, you're going to give up. Otherwise, it's just too much. And so Mountman says that, that the eschatology, the things of the end thing, he says that eschatology is the doctrine of Christian hope, which embraces both the object hoped for and also the hope that inspires it. Well, what's the object hoped for? Well, the object hoped for is nothing less than the fullness of the kingdom, what God, what Jesus really gave his life for, what we are called to proclaim, what we are called to live, what he sends us forth on mission to do. So that's, that's the goal. That's where we are going. And, and the means? Never give up. Never lose hope. It is the means towards the end, and it defines the end as itself. Moltmann goes on to say, God suffers, this is really very good, God suffers with humanity while promising humanity a better future through the hope of the resurrection. 
and we have to continue to get this. The God who suffers with us, who's in the midst of every struggle that we go through, every loss that we endure, every pain that we live through. Uh, we, we, and it's so hard, because I think deep down inside, we've been taught so much that God really is up there above the fray. He is not above the fray. She is in the fray. She is in the midst of the suffering. So through God is in the midst of our suffering and is leading us through it to a new world order. And of course, John goes on to describe that beautiful order. Uh, behold, God's dwelling is with the human race. He will dwell with them and they will be his people and God himself will always be with them as their God. God is not up there, we know, although we keep forgetting that God is in here. And that is the motivation force and that is the reason. What's the reason for your hope? The reason for our hope is that we dare to trust that there is one who is compelling us on the journey, to continue on the journey he will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and there should be no more death, mourning, wailing, for the old order has passed away. We've got to continue to see that, and we have to continue to keep that before us. And we have to know that there will be many trials, many hardships. I mean, Paul's pointing that out in the first reading today, that there's going to be a whole lot of hardships. Pope Francis also has pointed out to us that, that we have to keep hope alive. In his uh, encyclical, Fratelli Tutti, Francis uses the, the language of, of the virtue of hope as, as and it is as costly as Jesus' glory is in today's gospel because he's about to be betrayed, he's about to die, but we know he's going to rise. We know he's going to live. So Francis said that hope is that desire for things that will fill our hearts. And he says the danger is we don't go for that deepest desire, that deepest vision of the kingdom. Instead, we anesthetize ourselves with, with, the, well, with the drug du jour, whether that is alcohol or whether that is the internet or whether that is the distractions that we choose to amuse ourselves with or to keep us from feeling the pain of the world. No, what we are called to do, and this is the hardest thing I believe to do, is to look at it right in the eye. Uh, the, the, the massacre that took place in, in New York last night we have to look in the eye. We have to ask ourselves, what can we do? We, we cannot continue to tolerate a world where solutions are made at the end of a gun. And so, yeah, we've got to jump into the fray. We cannot anesthetize ourselves, but in the midst of that, we have to have a vision of the way it can be there, that we can live this society, and in the world without killing each other. And we've got to be active in that. And it is the hope that compels us to work for that. 
So Francis says that we've got to look beyond our addictions, our personal conveniences, our petty securities, our compensations. We need to look without the limits of the present into the end of the horizon. In other words, and, and, and just as we are told there is no cheap grace, there's no cheap hope. We need to keep the flame of hope alive. That means we've got to dare to know that it's there, first of all, and then keep on fanning it, flaming it so that it does flame, fanning it so that the flame does not go out. Now we can't confuse hope with optimism. Uh, I, I, I am hopeful. I'm not very optimistic, especially in the short run. You can remember when I was a little kid, there was a guy on the radio who would say, every day in every way, I'm getting better and better. And I tried that, but it doesn't work. <laughs> I remember listening on the radio one day down in southern Indiana, and the, and the guy announced, he's, he's, he was trying to be very optimistic, and he says, he says and now here's a, our own Florence Henderson singing, I'm just a cockeyed optometrist. I said, okay. <laughs> well, we are cockeyed optometrists. We're not seeing clearly. We're not seeing the vision. Because the vision really is far off. And we may... Well, like Martin Luther King says, I might not get there with you. We're not going to get there. We are a cog in the wheel moving towards the kingdom of God. We do our thing. We dance our dance. We do it now with everything we've got. But we never give up hope. We never give up hope. You know, the, today Jesus is saying, the great commandment. I'm giving you a new commandment. Love one another as I have loved you. That's love without condition. And we're not doing a real good job of that. And we are so small, so tribal, so petty. We've got a thousand conditions on the transactions that we call love, which is not love. And so love can die. Faith. Well, you know, the largest group of people in the Church today are what are called the nuns, the N-O-N-E-S, none of the above. They are our children and our grandchildren, and they have lost their faith. But hope, but hope. My daughter sent me a, a little story that a French priest that she knows wrote, and he sent it to her, and I, I want to share it with you because I think it, it basically speaks it all. There were, there, were, there were four candles burned slowly, and there was such silence that one could hear their conversation. The first candle said, I am peace. However, no one can keep me on. I think, I think I'm going to die. His flame gradually diminished and disappeared. The second candle said, I, I am faith. But, but now the world thinks that I am no longer indispensable. It doesn't make sense for me to stay on any longer. As soon as she finished speaking, a light breeze blew over her and extinguished her. The, the third candle manifested itself in turn 
I'm love. But I no longer have the strength to stay on. If people leave me aside and don't understand my importance, they, they even forget to love those who are close to them. And without a sound, she in turn faded away. Then came a child who saw the three candles extinguished. But, but why did you stop burning? You, you had to stay here until the end. And a tear crept down the child's cheek. The fourth candle whispered, Don't be afraid. As long as I have my flame, we can relight the other candles. I am hope. Then with bright eyes, the child took the candle of hope and rekindled the other three. We must keep hope alive and rekindle the other three until the fullness of the kingdom.